Good day, everyone. It's October 11th. This is the One Year Bible Tour Guide, a daily podcast in which we read through all 66 books of the Bible in a year, according to the One Year Bible Reading Plan, found in the published One Year Bibles, and also accessible for free at the oneyearbibleonline.com website. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and it is my pleasure to serve as your reading host and also to offer observations that you won't want to miss. As we navigate through the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, we are given reasons as to why the promised judgment upon the southern kingdom of Judah will no longer be withheld. This is not just ancient history. These chapters contain lessons that will help us navigate through life. Once again, the blessedness of the lives of those who put their trust in the Lord are contrasted with those who put their trust in their own deceitful hearts, their own righteousness, wisdom, and strength. We will be picking up where we left off yesterday in the book of Jeremiah, starting with chapter 16, verse 16, and then later in the podcast, we will move on in Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. So let's begin Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 16, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Behold, I am sending for many fishers, declares the Lord, and they shall catch them, and afterward I will send for many hunters and they shall hunt them from every mountain and every hill and out of the clefts of the rocks. For my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from me, nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes. But first I will doubly repay their iniquity and their sin, because they have polluted my land with the carcasses of their detestable idols and have filled my inheritance with their abominations." O Lord, my strength and my stronghold, my refuge in the day of trouble, to you shall the nations come from the ends of the earth and say, Our fathers have inherited nothing but lies, worthless things in which there is no profit. Can man make for himself gods? Such are not gods. Therefore, behold, I will make them know this once I will make them know my power and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. Chapter 17. The Sin of Judah. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron. With a point of diamond it is engraved on the tablet of their heart and on the horns of their altars, while their children remember their altars and their asherim beside every green tree and on the high hills on the mountains in the open country. Your wealth and all your treasures I will give for spoil as the price of your high places for sin throughout all your territory. You shall loosen your hand from your heritage that I gave to you, and I will make you serve your enemies in a land that you do not know, for in my anger a fire is kindled that shall burn forever. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water, that sends out its roots by the stream, and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green, and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things, 
and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind, to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Like the partridge that gathers a brood that she did not hatch, so is he who gets riches but not by justice. In the midst of his days they will leave him, and at the end he will be a fool. A glorious throne set on high from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. Those who turn away from you shall be written in the earth, for they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. Behold, they say to me, Where is the word of the Lord? Let it come. I have not run away from being your shepherd, nor have I desired the day of sickness. You know what came out of my lips. It was before your face. Be not a terror to me. You are my refuge in the day of disaster. Let those be put to shame who persecute me, but let me not be put to shame. Let them be dismayed, but let me not be dismayed. Bring upon them the day of disaster. Destroy them with double destruction. Thus said the Lord to me, Go and stand in the people's gate, by which the kings of Judah enter, and by which they go out, and in all the gates of Jerusalem, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, you kings of Judah, and all Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, who enter by these gates. Thus says the Lord, Take care for the sake of your lives, and do not bear a burden on the Sabbath day, or bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem. And do not carry a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath, or do any work, but keep the Sabbath day holy, as I commanded your fathers. Yet they did not listen or incline their ear, but stiffened their neck, that they might not hear and receive instruction. But if you listen to me, declares the Lord, and bring in no burden by the gates of this city on the Sabbath day, but keep the Sabbath day holy, and do no work on it, then there shall enter by the gates of this city kings and princes who sit on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their officials, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and this city shall be inhabited forever. And people shall come from the cities of Judah and the places around Jerusalem, from the land of Benjamin, from the Shephelah, from the hill country, and from the Negeb, bringing burnt offerings and sacrifices, grain offerings and frankincense, and bringing thank offerings to the house of the Lord. But if you do not listen to me, to keep the Sabbath day holy, and not to bear a burden and enter by the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then I will kindle a fire in its gates, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem, and shall not be quenched. Chapter 18 The Potter and the Clay The Word That Came to Jeremiah from the Lord Arise, and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel, and the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done? declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. 
If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom, that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it. And if that nation, concerning which I have spoken, turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. And if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it, and if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of that good that I had intended to do to it. Now, therefore, say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Return every one from his evil way and amend your ways and your deeds. But they say, That is in vain. We will follow our own plans, and we will every one act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Ask among the nations, Who has heard the like of this? The virgin Israel has done a very horrible thing. Does the snow of Lebanon leave the crags of Syrian? Do the mountain waters run dry, the cold flowing streams? But my people have forgotten me. They make offerings to false gods. They made them stumble in their ways, in the ancient roads, and to walk into side roads, not the highway, making their land a horror a thing to be hissed at forever. Everyone who passes by it is horrified and shakes his head. Like the east wind I will scatter them before the enemy. I will show them my back, not my face, in the day of their calamity. Then they said, Come, let us make plots against Jeremiah, for the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come, let us strike him with the tongue, and let us not pay attention to any of his words. Hear me, O Lord, and listen to the voice of my adversaries. Should good be repaid with evil? Yet they have dug a pit for my life. Remember how I stood before you to speak good for them, to turn away your wrath from them? Therefore deliver up their children to famine, give them over to the power of the sword, let their wives become childless and widowed. May their men meet death by pestilence, their youths be struck down by the sword in battle. May a cry be heard from their houses when you bring the plunderer suddenly upon them, for they have dug a pit to take me and laid snares for my feet. Yet you, O Lord, know all their plotting to kill me. Forgive not their iniquity, nor blot out their sin from your sight. Let them be overthrown before you. Deal with them in the time of your anger. And this concludes today's portion from the Old Testament from the book of Jeremiah. Now let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we have just read. The Lord continues to explain the reason why He can no longer withhold judgment from falling on His unrepentant people. For my eyes are on all their ways, they are not hidden from my face, nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes. Jeremiah chapter 16 verse 17 The deep-rootedness of their sin is beyond erasure. The sin of Judah is written down with an iron stylus. With a diamond point it is engraved upon the tablet of their heart and on the horns of their altars. Jeremiah 17, verse 1. The Lord contrasts those who trust in the Lord and those who trust in the unregenerate hearts of men in words similar to those of the psalmist in Psalm 1. You remember in Psalm 1, verses 1 through 4, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, 
nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 to 8, we read, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind, and makes flesh his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert, and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water, that extends its roots by a stream, and will not fear when the heat comes. But its leaves will be green, and it will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. The incurable nature of the depraved human heart is summed up in verse 9. The heart is more deceitful than all else, and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Jeremiah knows that, although sin remains enthroned in the heart of the natural man, God, the only hope of Israel, is enthroned in heaven, sovereignly reigning over all. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 12, Jeremiah's confidence in the Lord is evident. Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved. For you are my praise. Jeremiah 17, verse 14. Once again, in chapter 17, Jeremiah is called to act a drama at the city gates. There, at the entrance of the city, where decisions are made and laws are enforced, Jeremiah was to call for adherence to the laws of the Sabbath, in chapter 17, verses 21 and 22. After going to the gates, Jeremiah is sent by the Lord to the potter's house, in Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1. Once there, the Lord said he would give his message. We see this pattern throughout the Bible. The Lord meets us in the place of obedience with further instruction. This is illustrated in Acts chapter 9, verse 6. The potter was working on a clay vessel on the wheel, but the clay in his hands was marred, and so the Lord shaped it into another pot, as it seemed best to him. He works with the clay even when it is resistant to being shaped according to his preferred design. It will serve his purposes nevertheless. If the stubbornness of the evil heart resists his hand, rather than doing the good he had intended, he uses the clay to show his scorn of sin. He promises to make them an object lesson before the nations of God's judgment towards those who break covenant with him. Jeremiah is verbally abused by the leaders of Judah, the priests, the prophets, and the so-called wise men. He cries to the Lord for help, knowing that his enemies want to kill him. In Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 23. We will continue to read tomorrow and we will learn how the Lord is faithful to Jeremiah despite all of his hardships. Now let's move on to our New Testament reading. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, a life pleasing to God. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain 
from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. THE COMING OF THE LORD But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore encourage one another with these words. Chapter 5 Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, while people are saying, There is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament portion from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. The Thessalonians wanted to live lives that were pleasing to God, in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. In chapter 4, Paul answers the questions that have been plaguing them. Number one, they had questions about how they should handle the prevalent sexual ethic of their day. In chapter 4, verses 3 through 8, the Thessalonian culture, like our culture today, advocated the satisfaction of all lusts and temporal addictions, sensual lust, intellectual lust, travel lust, wander lust, adventure lust, the approbation lust, the inordinate need for the approval of others, these addictive pursuits were the result of their not finding their deepest satisfaction in God. Christ's followers are called to live lives of sexual purity. They recognize that the sexual relationship between the male husband and the female wife is designed by God to be a fruitful expression of their intimate covenantal bond as a one-flesh unit in marriage. Christian believers need to learn to bring their bodies under control and to put healthy boundaries in place so as not to entertain sexual lust. Violating the call to purity ultimately incurs the wrathful judgment of God upon the impenitent children of disobedience. Colossians chapter 3, verse 6 The church today, like the church at Thessalonica, 
needs to be reminded that giving in to an impure sexual ethic is incompatible with God's call to holy living. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So, he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Number 2. How should they relate to one another in the fellowship of believers? Chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. Paul reminds the Thessalonians that they are members of the family of God and they are to treat their fellow members as their brothers and sisters with love. Paul explains that the Holy Spirit prompts them to love one another as Christ has loved them and encourages them to continue to do so. They should love one another more and more. Chapter 4, verse 10. As someone said, live your love out loud. Their third question was what about their personal ambitions? The way of the world is self-promotion, self-aggrandizement, to loudly proclaim your prominence, interfere with others, and ride on the backs of other people's labor. Instead of being busy, they become busy bodies. Others have ambitions to get to the place where they do not have to work because everyone is working for them. They call it the good life. Paul says that the believer's life, the truly good life, is countercultural. Believers should be responsibly contributing to the good of others. We stand in contrast to those who live with worldly ambition. We are to study to be quiet, to bend every effort to be quiet, and aspire to be quiet, or as one translator puts it, be ambitious to be quiet. What does that mean? G. Campbell Morgan explains it this way. This command stands in sharp contrast to the passion for notoriety, the desire to be seen and known. He urges them to be ambitious to be secluded, hidden, quiet. Don't labor to be conspicuous or famous. The next command that Paul gives is not to meddle in other people's business. Christians are to responsibly attend to their own affairs and not interfere in the affairs of others. They are to work hard for their living, so they are not financially dependent on anyone. Their fourth question was a big concern for the Thessalonians. What will happen to those in our fellowship who have already died? We have already learned that the Thessalonians had a healthy expectation for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ in chapter 1 verse 10. However, they were concerned that those in their church who had already died would miss out on the benefits of the second coming. Paul comforts these bereaved saints with the truth that Christ's return will bring a blessing to those who have already died in the Lord as well as those who are alive on the earth at the time of His coming. The dead shall rise first. When our Christian brothers and sisters die, we grieve because of our loss. Paul said that for him to live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians chapter 1 verse 21. So, we do not grieve for our lost loved ones in Christ as those who do not have hope. For we know that believers who have died are absent from the body, that is, free from their old physical earth suit, and are present with the Lord in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. And the hope of the physical resurrection, our spirits being clothed with a renewed body like the glorified body of the Lord, will be experienced by those who have already died in Christ as well as those who are alive at His coming. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all come to the sleep of death, but we will all be changed, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. 
For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51-53 through 53. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, who are alive and remain, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16-17 through 17. The Greek word for caught up is harpazo, to snatch up, to seize, to catch, to take away by force. It is the equivalent word to the Latin rapto, meaning to seize, carry off, from which we get the English word rapture. It is the same word that is used in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, when Paul was caught up to the third heaven. It is the same word used to describe Stephen being snatched speedily in Acts chapter 8, verse 39. When will this happen? We do not know. The fact that the Apostle Paul uses the plural pronoun we in verse 17 hints that Paul expected to be alive, to be caught up together with other believers in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air when he returned. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18 How often do we comfort one another with this good news about the second coming? Paul assures the believers at Thessalonica that they have a certain hope that Jesus is coming back and that when he returns there will be a joyous reunion with the saints who have departed before us. Paul continues to write about future events in chapter 5. The apostles were once occupied with the question as to when God would restore the kingdom to Israel. The Thessalonians had questions about the timing of the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord speaks of when God will intervene directly in world affairs and bring judgment upon the unbelievers, those who dwell on the earth. Christ will judge sin and set up His eternal kingdom. We read about it in Isaiah chapter 13, verses 6 through 12, Ezekiel chapter 30, verse 3, Joel chapter 1, verse 15, chapter 2, verse 1, and 11, and 28 through 32. Amos chapter 5 verse 18 and 20, Zephaniah chapter 1 verse 7 and verses 14 through 18, Zechariah chapter 14 verse 1, Malachi chapter 4 verse 5, Acts chapter 2 verse 20, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 14, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 2, 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 10, and it is alluded to in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verse 17, and chapter 16, verse 14. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour, the book of Psalms, Psalm 81, verses 1 through 16. The ESV titles this psalm, O that my people would listen to me, to the choirmaster, according to the Gittith, which is most likely a musical or liturgical term. A Psalm of Asaph, Psalm 81. Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a song. Sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon, on our feast day. For it is a statute for Israel, a rule of the God of Jacob. He made it a decree in Joseph when he went out over the land of Egypt. I hear a language I had not known 
I relieved your shoulder of the burden. Your hands were freed from the basket. In distress you called, and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me. There shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward Him, and their fate would last forever. But He would feed you with the finest of the wheat, and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. And this concludes our reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 81. The Lord is worthy of our exuberant praise. He has declared, I the Lord am your God, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. Psalm 81, verse 10. He fed his people with the bread from heaven. He would feed us still with the finest of wheat and honey out of the rock. He feeds us with Christ Jesus, the bread of life. He feeds us with a perfect salvation. Because of our redemption through Christ Jesus, our mouths are filled with thanksgiving and praise. And now for our final stop on our Bible reading tour, we go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 25, verses 6 and 7. Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great, for it is better to be told, Come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. What your eyes have seen, do not hastily bring into court, for what will you do in the end when your neighbor puts you to shame? This proverb reminds us of the words of Jesus. When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him, and he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this man, and then in disgrace you proceed to occupy the last place. Now let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, you have shown us that our hearts are deceitful and incurably wicked. But you, in your infinite wisdom, devised a way to pardon our guilt and give us a new heart through the willing sacrifice of your Son. Through his atoning death and triumphant resurrection, he has secured our salvation with the seal of the Holy Spirit's indwelling. Now for us to live is Christ. We do not fear death and eagerly wait for his return when our mortal bodies will be swallowed up with immortal ones. We know it is your will that we pursue holiness and live each day ready to meet you. Give us the grace to do what is pleasing to you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. It is a great blessing to have our minds reoriented to the reality of redemption and our need for it. I look forward to continuing tomorrow in the book of Jeremiah and Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. And as is our custom, we remind you that if you'd like to contact us, you can write us an email at podcast at newlife.org. And if you'd like to know more about New Life Community Church and its ministries, or also if you'd like a free subscription to a daily email, 
With a written copy of our commentary on each day's one-day Bible reading, you can go to our website, newlife.org. So until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Shalom.